See, to live is to suffer. But to survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. Hello, everyone. We're back, episode five, Black Factivism. Um, I'm here with Cortland. Hey, what's going Ferreira, on? Ferreira Douglas, um, <laughs> as you know from the last episode, and he is um, another part of our trio. Um, the, the Honorable Billy McLean is, is will not be with us this week, but you know he is. He will be joining us moving forward. And on top of that, uh, we got some exciting events coming up. So you know, a lot of interesting topics this week. But um, how you doing, Court? Uh, you know, things are good. Things are good. It's kind of interesting. You know, uh, at our school, we just got done with the quarter three and um, or at least the third quarter. I literally just got done submitting grades. And, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing when I start to think about, you know, how kids are doing just in general. Right. Uh, is how I'm doing. I always go like, you know, I'm, I'm a very blessed human being. You know, I have my finances are fine. Um, we're now in that place where, you know, I could play tennis every day, which is nice. I was, I was out there hitting, um, and, you know, hel- you know, helping out my mental health. And I could just continue to look at some of the kids and how, you know, they're the ones who are high flying and they're, and they're doing really well in my class. And then, you know, there are those students who, you know, are just, are just struggling for whatever reason. And I continue to look at them and just go like, you know, my heart goes out to those kids because there are some of the kids who are struggling simply because of the circumstance that they in. And right. I look at their previous grades from, from last year and then especially from middle school, because I think last year for some of them, since I have mostly sophomores, um, their middle school grades coming in, I mean, are the, the, a rock star level. And, you know, they don't have, you know, that ability, that mm-hmm. support, that uh, emotional and, 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 and structural support to be able to, to be successful in a lot of ways. And, you know, this past week was kind of interesting just because, you know, we started letting kids into my, or into the classroom. I don't know if other teachers got kids, but I feel like I got all the kids that came in, but. I um, got the other half. And that's, <laughs> and that's me bringing them in, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if other teachers at the school got kids. I don't think they want, so. They want some, they want some. <laughs> but I, uh, now nah, you can keep giving it to me, but if anything, it gives me an insight as to, you know, what that looks like on the other side of the computer, um, which I appreciate. You know, a lot of times students are, 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 are on the computer, they're there, but, you know, they're also on their phones at the same time. And how do you, how do you help a student realize the effect that that has on their education long term or short term um, if they're not in class with you? You know, and that to me is a really interesting thing. And I continue to wonder what's going to happen when we get back in person. Is there going to have to be a kind of, I don't know, a restructuring of how these kids, you know, were able to survive that whole entire year? And how do we kind of get them back into that place where like, hey, you know, you can't be on your phone the whole time. Right. It's funny you said that. Um, You know, I had a psychotherapist on an art therapist on with some kids on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's very clear that there's some things, you know, I spoke about the transition from not just this year, if they came back now, but the transition next year, right? How do we get students ready? Like students don't do well with transition, right? High school students, they just don't, right? Um, so 
you know, I think the idea that was that was introduced was just sort of like, in order for us to transition students back into school, we have to do something. We have to make a statement together. We have to develop some collective, we can't hit them with academics right away. We can't focus on, um, on these deadlines and this particular content, you know, and, and we can't also introduce this deficit of learning loss unless we expand their, rebuild their capacity to learn. And the first thing you do when you want to rebuild a capacity to learn, you really got to start providing a quality experience. So they floated some ideas about creating a, a, a huge quilt and hanging it in front of the school where the kids could each have their say, have their moment, right? And have some sort of symbolism that they have overcome, you know, um, struggles. You know, the same lady who was on, she said that the pandemic is equivalent to any major trauma she's helped people through, whether it's domestic violence, being an arrest, abuse, the whole nine. But people don't see it on that level. They just see this kid staying home. But this is this is a PTSD traumatic type situation kids are recovering from. And when they return, I hope people understand that we have to do a marketing job and a, and a, a, a transitioning job where we have to really, really help students evaluate the importance of school in their lives. And we have to do it together and we have to find ways to get, to make kids fall in love with us all over again. Yeah. Like, I think that's a, a huge part of it, right? Like, I think you know, one of the nice things that I think did come or I, I imagine is going to come from, uh, you know, teachers, their perspective, having that growth is the idea of deadlines, right? You know, my, you know, we already do this in my class, but, you know, I, I, I have an entire series, uh, uh, you know, I sent it to you, Corey, I don't know if you listened to it. Anyone else would like it, feel free to hit me up. Um, but I do um, listen to it, mind you. I, I, I got you. I got you. Um, but, you know, to me, I'd, I'd never understood, you know, the logic or the reasoning behind why a person had to turn it in the next day. Like, I get it. There's a deadline. A person should turn it in. But I don't understand why it has to be turned in the next day. You know, the, the overall effect, I don't know how many students have come to me and said that because of the fact that I give them flexibility, that I give them the ability to to manage when they turn those things in of course i put a deadline to it but i always tell them you know that i have to turn in grades just like i just turned in grades tonight you are going to have an f on there does that mean that you can't improve that going into quarter four no but that doesn't mean you know but 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 giving them that flexibility to manage themselves because not every teacher is like that you know there's some teachers who you know have this idea right that that they're supposed to turn in my stuff right now and not everybody is that as flexible and so you know what i hear as far as a growth from a lot of teachers is the fact that deadlines aren't you know as big of a thing i don't know um you i know, mean the pandemic has made us realize that all these things aren't important well right like those things aren't the things that 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 are as important when we think about the grander scheme of of where students are and what i hope is that, like I said, that humanity part will come into it. And part of it is also what you're realizing, you know, the way that you, the, the way that students 
um, are participating in the Zoom atmosphere. To me, the biggest thing that I feel is, I think it's an extreme, I guess, indictment on how students just universally feel about their classroom experience. 100%. 100%. I honestly believe that if I was teaching a class every day, this is no disrespect to any other educator, after a month, everybody, all the cameras are on. All the cameras are on. And, and when the cameras aren't on, it's because, and I understand why the cameras aren't on, but I know why that can't, and I'm not trying to f- help people figure out why or try to question as to the kid or the family as to why their camera's not on. I'll tell you this one thing about deadlines, right? The reason why, and I'll be very clear, the reason why many people are hard, many educa- educators are hard sticklers on deadlines is because of the power dynamic. That's why many of them are opposed to mastery, student mastery. You wanna know why? Because they lose the power. They lose their power. And the reason they lose their power is because students who they prefer to have that control over students by, by holding them accountable to a deadline instead of helping them understand the value of mastery and the art of knowing something forever. Like, I, I, I love when students get a 90 and want 100, right? You don't, you don't just, if I, think about it, right? If more students knew that they could keep, keep taking a quiz, keep, keep reading, keep trying to do better at the same thing, Imagine how much better things would be if students actually were able to know way more, a lot more uh, of less things, right? Know everything about less things instead of a little bit about more things. So I, I think that what the pandemic has done in a sense is, is sort of help people pull back from all these deadlines and and um, all these rules, because now we can't even welcome these rules back into our building. Like, let's be clear, kids now, they now understand, they now know what adult problems are. So as we think about um, how we want to address students when they come back, the first thing we got to do is tell them that we're, like, tell them, get in the boat with us. We're in the same boat, (laughs) you know? I, we used to be the life preservers, right? Like we used to be the life, we just throw life preservers from the boat. Now it's like, get in, get in, get in. Yeah, like I think I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, in my classroom, we do a lot of stuff uh, the first like couple of weeks before we get into the content. And, you know, part of it is allowing students to create student profiles. I don't know if they know that they're doing that, but that's kind of way they do things, talk about their family, talk about themselves, build that community within our class, you know? And there, like, I always think that everything in my classroom is built around this idea of community, right? We have a self-management center in my, in my classroom where individuals can, there's objects in there that people can use in order to, to help de-stress and, and, and kind of collect their minds. The food so, helps too, the food helps. Well, yeah, so- This man, you know, this man is loaded with food. I, I have snacks all the time. Right. Because, you know, I grew up in a family who said, you know, I, I went to church way too much. And the way to somebody's heart was through their belly. And 
like that was something that is important and, and it magnified that even more because tons of these students are coming from places where they don't have breakfast right. you know and because well, of the sharing it right well and then also you know the stigma that we've that you know i don't know about you Corey, but every single high school or school i ever went to had horrible lunches i ain't been to a school i ain't i haven't met a person who's like yeah these lunches are good and so even if you have a good high quality lunch which i actually think everett's lunch is pretty good um yeah, that, that, um, that grilled chicken Caesar ain't bad at all. Man, I... Man, shout we, out to y'all. Shout out to the lunchroom. <laughs> seriously, like, they be putting that work in. See, they don't have the nachos up. The nachos, you whatever you just said, you stop getting it if you had the nachos option because that is really good. That's the best $3 you can... I, I'm going to say it right now. That's the best $3 you can put down in Everett. Mm. Uh, them nachos are banging. Um, but what... I Even though I think the quality of food at Everett might be good, Still, students have a stigma, the fact that lunch is not as good as it could be. And, you know, how does that affect individuals for not eating lunch? I know tons of people who don't eat lunch, even though I think the, the food is of quality. And so, you know, what I try to talk to my students about when I hear them, because we usually have a conversation like this, usually around like October or something like that, is what I try to let them know is that, you know, the biggest thing you could teach a student is not always about you. Mm-hmm. You know, give them that macroscopic idea that sometimes usually how you carry yourself, there's more people watching you than you think. And when you, you know, look down or talk bad on the food, it's a blessing that you can turn down that food, right? Your friend, though, who might be next to you, for whatever reason, that might be the only good meal that they have. And mm-hmm. in order to stay with their peers, they're going to turn down the food, too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we got food in my room. Um, I always tell them, you know, I, I won't ever forget when Todd um, told me, um, you know, he said, and, and I, I have a video for it where he says, you know, I never had a classroom that had everything I ever wanted, right? Everything I ever needed, pens, paper, all right. that stuff. Without you know, question, without question, right? Pen. Like, like, no, no arguments pen. around paper, no arguments around if you have a pencil, like, nope. I got it, right? I nope. got it. No, no, no tug of war over that. No, because I mean, you take what you need, right? I have a printer in my room. People had my students know that there's a printing center. There's a guy who shows up and he'll let you print from his from his printer color. Right. And so like being able to allow them to see and people go like, you're just giving this stuff. I go like it's more than that, because what I need them to do is I need them to see me as a provider. And I don't mean of education, although I hope that that's part of it. But I need them to go, hey, this is a guy that if I need something, right, that I can come to him. And the coolest thing is like what I what I would tell any any teacher out there, the reason why you have to have this feedback loop involved is because it'll change the way you see things. Mm-hmm. Right. A student asks you to, to if you ha- if you have something and you don't have it now, you get to actually ask yourself, are you going to provide it because you have the means. Right. right. You can pay pretty well. You have the means to deliver what they asked you to get. 100 percent. And the question you have to ask. So why are you fighting? Well, so why, why, why are people even fighting that? Like, let's look at like, you know, the importance of having food for kids. You know, what? like in someone who grew up poor. Right. And and I was only poor financially. We didn't have much, but it literally felt like we had everything. Shout out to my mom and my dad. Rest <laughs> in peace. Right. But like, here's the thing. Every other week, my dad will wake us up 
and take a, he used to wake us up and take us to Burger King and have Burger King breakfast, right? What I could provide my son for breakfast is like 400 times better than Burger King, but by what standards, right? Like, I, anyway, he, he used to bring us there and I never, that's just something I could never forget. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, that message just became stronger. Like they knew my family, my, my family knew how this would make us happy. But as I got older, I realized like that was what we could afford. But because we were together, it didn't really matter. So when you when you are giving kids options and having food in your classroom, snacks, that sends a message to the kid. That, that, and that sends a very non-academic message, right? A non-educated. That gives you something else, right? Because it, it really, you know, we want to teach generosity and gratitude and all that stuff. But nothing says and speaks to gratitude more than the actions in the class, from, from a teacher to a student. That, because if you're willing to share your food with me, I could tell you really care about teaching me. Right. So I think like one of the big things that's a barrier is I think I think people have reluctance to want to I'll just be up front and tell you that there is a monetary there's a monetary toll that you have to pay if you're going to do this. Right. Like, I, I you know, I, when I tell people I put over two grand into my classroom every year, like that's sometimes it's even more than that. And I always mm-hmm. tell them, like, if you want, I can I can put the receipts in. And, you know, it, but. What I tell them is like, yes, that's what it takes. And I know that some other people always tell me like, hey, somebody should pay for that. I go like, yeah, but somebody's not going to. And the question is, are you going to do it anyway? Or are you going to allow that to be the excuse that, that, that stops you from being able to get it? And what I would say you know, because like I said, my printer, I have a subscription because of the fact that we print so much is $19 every month. That's on top of the $150 it took us to get the printer in there. You know, um, luckily at the school I'm at, luckily they give you free paper. So they're not like stingy about it. Like they are right. in some districts, but right. there's that, like I said, you know, social emotional stuff that happens. Sometimes students take stuff from there. You got to replenish it. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, isn't that part of social emotional learning? Well, right. And what it, what I think is that a lot of teachers go, hey, like one, first of all, I don't think it ever crosses their mind to even put one of these things in their classroom. That's one. And I think that more people just need exposure to the things that they need, right? Like, I don't know how many times people go to the Dearborn and be like, oh, my mind is blown that they have all these other things inside there. You know, shout out to them though, because they do really good work over there, social emotional supports. But that's kind of where I got the idea from. But you know, then they go, hey, how do I put that in? And what another thing as we start to get deep into like the pedagogy and all this other stuff, you know, what I what I tell my my colleagues is like, I have a lot of systems in my classroom. Because if you put a a a a, a part of your class, right? Students can now just print whenever they want, writ large. No, no anything. They come in, whatever they some of them come in at lunch. Some of them come in at the beginning of the day. Some of them come in, in and out, in and out. You have traffic and you have individuals who want to print during your classroom, all of these different things. You've created an avenue of freedom for students. And now what do I have to do as a teacher? That's another thing that I have to figure out how to what? 
manage it and make sure that students are using it responsibly, right? right. Because that is something I have to think. Because if you just put a printer in there, yes, you give no direction, students will use it how they want. And now students are di like, now you're trying to blame students because they don't know how to use it because they're not right. adults, right? So you have to have a process. And so what, what you're doing, I have this literal social emotional area where students can get resources that they need, right? To be able to get through my class. Some of them come in and be like, hey, could I borrow this for the rest of the day, right? I had one student who I don't know really what the specific medical thing is with his, was in his class, um, but he would take, you know, we have like stress balls that are in there and he would take like multiple of them and be like, hey, could I get this for the rest of the day? You know, eventually, you know, what I did is, hey, if he's going to need it for the rest of the day, why not just buy him his own, you know? And that's that moment when you get the, like, you know, your heart gets all big when he gives you that big <laughs> after you give it to him. And like, you know, like, I now have a box full of a whole bunch of trinkets, coloring books, that kind of stuff, Play-Doh, that kind of stuff. Students are just literally having that all across the classroom. What does that mean? I have another thing I have to plan for, right? Another thing I have to plan for. Same thing with the student resources. Students are literally just getting some student resources. They messing up the student resource center, all that stuff. I have, there are layers of different things that you have to have. That's on top of the, you know, the, the pride curriculum that I do install in my class, right? Me, you know, I don't have a workshop model where you do a do now when you come in. Here we have culture put up there so we can talk about something, have a stimulating thing that teaches you about culture, but that's five to 10 minutes that some teachers may not feel is as structured as you would like it to be. I think it's very structured. Students right. know what they to do, go and sit down. Um, you know, whether they paying attention to the video, um, you know, that's a different subject, you know, but the one thing I learned from that is what I would tell teachers is like, man, there ain't nothing that shut kids up like a video. It'd be anything. And they, they'll come right in line, but these are all moving objects. And I think that teachers have a reluctance because you, what you're, what, what it hinges on is one, your ability to set the expectation. Two, you have to have the faith that the students will respect those privileges. Mm -hmm. And third, what it ultimately is anchored to is how much the students respect you as a person, how much they understand who you are. Wow. And the question I would have with anyone is, did you put enough time in when you, when you were in there and did you share enough of yourself? Did you put enough humanity into your classroom to allow that third anchor point to be as strong as you need to have it? You know, everything in my classroom always runs through the filter of, hey, am I telling a personal story about myself? You know, when I come in and I tell them, you know, when we have a, you know, ask Mr. Douglas section, you know, at the beginning of class, when I'm sitting here teaching them about chemistry and I tell them about my love for comic books and I'm able to talk to them about, uh, you know, a, uh, my real life, but yet somehow make it a connection into uh, the curriculum material, I'm teaching them and telling them about myself while also hopefully um, giving them an anchor point to be able to talk to them about, um, you know, what we're doing. And that's one of the reasons why, like, the pride curriculum isn't just a random thing that I do in class. Those people that I show them, those values that I bring forth are things that are, like, 
painstakingly chosen throughout time and throughout right. the year to help establish that anchor and go like, hey, you know, maybe, you know, I don't really like everything that he's saying or that he's trying to show me, but I respect the fact that he's at least trying to do more and trying to, you know, give me a full education or history directed thing. This is something anybody from any content space can implement within their classroom or more importantly, within their being. So here's what, here's what I, where I think schools struggle with, with the kids of color. I think schools do a bad job. They do a bad job at, at providing things for kids and not telling them why they need it effectively. Like here, man, take this. This is gonna be good for you, right? Um, yeah, take this, you know, take this laptop, you know, take this Chromebook, right? And um, it's not a Mac, but, you know, you should be able to get on the internet. Oh, but it's, you know, but it's not compatible with this, not compatible with that, but you can get on the internet. And then we say, hey, I don't know why, why these kids can't get on. Well, it's not the kid, it's the Chromebook. Right, it's the Chromebook, right? Like it's it's the app, it's the platform. So, and when we look at food, right, and we look at students and the idea of food, right, where else? Everywhere else in the world, when people want you to be in the space, when people want to recruit you, when people want to to have conversations with you, when people want to be in your presence, when people invite you somewhere that's supposed to be welcoming, what is the one common denominator? Food. So I don't blame kids if the food isn't good <laughs> and they're like, other places where I wanted, the food is good. People care what I want to eat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they care. So like, but that's just a lack of like multicultural competence by, if you look at the, the Portuguese, the, the Latinx, um, the BIPOC folks, everything, the learning is centered around food. Because if you're learning and achieving the food improves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the kind of food improves. So when we like, don't, when we send these messages, it's hard for our immigrant population, it's hard for students of color to be like, why is everybody mad at, I want a snack or, you know, why, is, why are people upset? Why, why are we policing food? <laughs> you know? Well, right. Like, well, to me, like, so part of it, Part of it, to me, there's so much of, 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 of the institution of education that cuts against, and I think what you're getting at is the fact that there's so much of it that really you realize has nothing to do with the student's education, right? It has nothing to do with, with, with what it takes to get a student's mindset in the right place, right? And you see this a lot, you know, not to rag on the charter schools, but like you see it a lot with them, with like they try to, you know, 
police attire. I love uniforms as much as the next person. I think they look nice and fresh, all that, et cetera, et cool, cetera. Cool, but you're not gonna put police in bodies. But the thing is, is I get it, you know, that they should have a certain type of attire. You know, I think individuals at those charter schools should maybe give it a little bit more support as to why that student doesn't have the attire, but that's a different conversation. But when it comes to individuality and how individuals express themselves while they're in your, your presence, I feel like so much of what education tries to do is control those things, control how that student expresses themselves. And I think part of it has to do with teachers themselves thinking about their own triggers and realizing that, you know, if it ain't, if the student, you know, I tell students, I tell, tell faculty all the time, tell admin, that like, you know, my flow chart is not that difficult. Right. <laughs> is the student being, is they, are they damaging anybody else? Then you have no reason to give them a detention. You have no reason to, 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 to discipline that student. That student is not doing those things. That's a personal conversation with them. You know, if they continue to do it, that's a totally different thing. But what I would say is there's too many people out there who take the way students are and they try to bend them to what they want to see and not so much about who their the idea of success, is. of what success is in their minds. You know, well, just like what they think humanity looks like. Right. right? There's, you know, there's, a, you know, a student in there brushing their hair or whatever. I get it that you don't like it. Right. And it's your classroom. You have the right to not like it. But in my opinion, I'm pretty sure you can just put that student aside. And just go like, hey, you know, today is cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to put some broom right here and you can sweep that up afterwards. But I just want you to know that I don't really appreciate that. And we'll see if that keeps going. Right. right? And give them the opportunity to what? Be a human person. Because most right. people don't want to offend anybody. But then what you went straight to is you went straight to consequence. Like, hey, now you have a detention because you didn't do something that I apparently... I don't even think I, I established the fact that there's no brushing in the classroom. Right. The and, same thing with the same thing with like pencils and, and, and pens. I think nope. people are, I think people, some people do not even see that they're really literally imposing a false sense of um of what they believe is a consciousness in, in our students. Well, sure, right? Because I mean the three reasons why people get in trouble to me are are, you know really just the first one like I just don't have the resources that I need right and you see this a lot with kids and we punish them simply because of the fact that they don't have the resource they don't have pencils they don't have pens they don't have binders they don't have any of that stuff or what to me teachers really take offense to is hey I gave you a worksheet right gave you a worksheet how come you don't have it no more you know be the next day or it could be in the same classroom how come you don't have it no more the reason why I wanted to put in a student print center is because of the fact that I got tired, right? I got super annoyed at students coming to me every day and I got to give them another copy, right? And I felt myself begin to put some kind of, of, of stigma onto them. Yeah. As if I was judging that student simply because of the fact that they, they didn't have the student oh, skill right. or the, the, the adult skill of keeping those things together. The student wasn't organized blah 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 and here i am punishing that student and every time i think there's a microaggression that happens with the students you put a chip right there on top of them 
And all these, and, and by the way, 95, and everybody, educators could relate to this, 95% of educators have messy cars. Well, right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reason why I think you should have a printing center in there, because this is what you should do. And this is what I always appreciate about the students who are in my classroom is, hey, you need a copy. I always tell them, don't come see me. You got 20 other people in here who have what you need. There's a printing center right there. I gave you the solution. Go walk over there and make a, make a copy. That's what you got to do. The, you don't know how to do it. Let me teach you how to print because obviously you don't know how to copy yourself. Go ask somebody. Don't come to me. Go ask someone. They can come to me and then I shame them publicly and then they get a copy. They get what they want. Everybody else hopefully laughs because they know that I'm doing it out of love. How do they know that I'm doing it out of love, right? Because you have that relationship. This is just a no-brainer. Oh, well, to me, part of it is you know, all the people in my life who I've ever had a problem with or whoever, who I ever remember making me a better person is what? They would always, always, always shame me publicly. But what did they do? They always got got me the support that I needed. And, and build you back up. Yeah. And the one thing is, you know, I won't ever, like, I usually get to have the kid, you know, he finds it, he, he, he gets to the printer. And then he's about to make a copy. And what do you have? The the thing I love about this process is then I go, hey, don't be selfish. Why don't you ask if anybody else needs a copy? Word. Because you're not the only one. And then other kids raised their hand. What happened? He realized he wasn't the only one who needed it. Mm-hmm. He's, you're not the only horrible person, right? There's other, <laughs> hor- there's other people who have the same, <laughs> you know, misfunction that you have. And they just ain't said nothing. Now you're helping a whole bunch of other people. And not only that is it is what I didn't help them. Someone in the classroom helped them. And now those students are linked together. Guess who's going to help each other out when we give them time in class. Moving forward. It's just like that really, one of the things I regret the most about hearing education is, but it's a, it's a real thing when you, and when you hear it, I don't know if you heard this before, but there's many educators out there who believe that if a kid doesn't do their work, that they're a terrible human being. Well, well, right. And to me, like, once again, like how, to, to me, education in general, because no one cares about chemistry, right? What it is, is problem solving. That's what it is. It's problem solving. And I'll, get to that, I'll get to that in a few. Well, right. Like the reason why I love it when, you know, students come and, and take resources or whatever you want to call that, right? Some people go like, hey, aren't you teaching them to, to, to just, you know, enabling them to, to just continue to, to, to lose things or whatever. I go like, you know, what the student has seen, right, is that they have a need and they've linked that need to me. I am a, someone who is a consistent person in their life who can provide it, right? The only reason why you are, you know, criticizing them for getting it from me is apparently if, if they just got it from their family, you'd be okay with it. But like, what it is, is a student has found a solution to their problem. Right. That is what right. I've given them. If, given they, them if, they're, if they are getting it from you, they will expect it from them. And, well, right. know, and sometimes people don't even want that responsibility. And in, in their minds, they'll just be like, well, it's not even fair. You're, you're, you're using a skill better than me. And that's not fair that you're using you're you're doing that you know as opposed to be like hey just just do it 
but there's a lot of stuff like that right like once again like i was telling you before you know there's that monetary cost that you have to have then it's not just monet it's not just monetary right it's also um you know the 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 headspace that i have to have right come to somebody and tell them to 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 do something and their mindset ain't there to do it you gotta it, it takes them some time to evolve into that place you know, you're telling me i gotta i gotta i gotta bring all these things right? I got to bring all these things to school. I got to bring all these things that, that, that kids might want. And, you know, the cool thing about it is if you create that type of system in your, in your classroom, students will feed into it and it'll give you avenues for students to participate and give something to our classroom, right? I had a student who, you know, I knew him the year before because he failed his chemistry class and I would go in there all the time and have to check him and a whole bunch of other people in there. Um, and, you know, he came, he, he, he was in my class the next year. And, you know, when I think about X and, or Xavier, and I remember talking to his teacher and going like, hey, you know, he's in my class. Like, what did you do to help him? And I just remember that teacher giving me that blank stare. Like, you know, I, I talked to him about it. We needed it. And all he did was just shrug his shoulders at me. And I go like, and then you did what? <laughs> and he was like, that's, that's, all, that's all he did is he shrugged his shoulders. Right. And so I'm sitting there going like, well, you know, one, I don't think he's going to shrug his shoulders at me. But if, if we do get to that place, you know, we don't have to figure out something else. And why is building a community of resources available? I remember when we ran out of paper, you know, first of all, I would go and see him during his art class and all the other stuff. And he was, he was like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna come see you. I'm gonna come see you. I'm gonna come see you. And it worked. But I remember when we ran out of paper, right. And he said to me, he said, oh man, no, we got this, man. It's like 42, 42 cents at BJ's, man. I got you. Don't worry about it. Next, next time I came into school, you know, usually he comes in every day, even if he don't have me um, and he'll like get some lotion. And then next thing you know, I had like a whole bunch of paper there. And I remember I was like, oh, I'll, I'll pay you. And he was like, no, nah, man, I did this for our classroom. Oh, and all that's, I know, that's, that's real. Well, all I know is that he failed last year, right? He got a C plus in my class. And, you know, I was trying to get him, man, don't go over to that teacher, man, and rub it in his face. Please don't. Right, <laughs> but right. you got a C plus because why he was, he felt the community that we had right. and his education went from there, you know, helping him out his math. He was in our classroom. He was there at lunch. He was there before school. He was there after school. He was helping other people in my class and in their class, right? Being the 12th grade upperclassman that he could have been. And so, yeah, like I said, the first reason why people get in trouble is because of the fact that they don't have the resources that they need, right? And so maybe we should, as a collective group, as an educator, right? Help them get that. Wouldn't it be nice if you walk right. in? I mean, and we can't be and we can't be having the talk and not this is we can't always have the talk and the, this is what we need and this is from a right. um, from from a, a SEL standpoint. Like I feel like SEL has just become this sort of um, mask. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a mask of of like this kindness, right? Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm through with the kindness, man. I you know I just want real realness man and, and relationship for the kids you know like i tell folks if they're truly interested in a kid and you really care about a kid every time they every time you talk to a kid make sure you ask them why three times yeah. you gotta ask them why three times you didn't i didn't do my homework why didn't you do your homework well yeah. because you know i fell asleep 
okay, why did you fall asleep? Well, because I didn't sleep the night before, my parents were arguing, um, and they got into a fight, they called the police. Why did that happen? Well, because my dad don't live here, he tried, he wouldn't leave. You know, for me, I call it, um, you know, it, I, I call it your zones of influence, right? And the cool thing about kids is this, is like cool, like, they're so cool because like, like they're willing to, to if, if, if they can trust you, if they believe in you, they're willing to give so much of themselves to us. Yes. Like, that's the cool thing that's so amazing about them. The, down, to their, down to their money. Everything, man. They, 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 will, they will share things with you that, that, that you probably shouldn't share other people. And right. I don't know if they ever realize that they're getting super deep with it. But to me, like when students share things, it's your job, I think, as a teacher to try to push the envelope and see how how much of that you can potentially kind of inspire. Right. There was a student who had my class last year, um, you know, and he was someone who loved art. Right. He loved art. He loved art. He loved art. He always doodled and all that other stuff. And, you know, simply him mentioning, you know, that he, I don't, I forget what they call them. Those, those stenciling things. It's like a light where you can like trace on the, on the, on the thing. It's like a light and it allows you to trace on paper. And he mentioned that. And so what did I do? Man, that costs like $20 on Amazon. And like, you know, he's not even my student, but he just always came around like once every so often to like show me his art and i was like hey boom i got you this right i got to, i got you this and what what are you doing what you're expanding the zone of influence right a student tells you the fact that hey you know grapes are his favorite thing just imagine if you came in one day and was like yo man I yo bro i got you these grapes yeah i got you these grapes right here um Let, just imagine how he'll light up knowing that you are there for him Right. And so once again, like why do students get in trouble is because of the fact that they do not have the resources. And what I would say, it's not just school supplies. We're also talking about love as well. And so like that to me is a big thing, you know, the, the second, you know and, and, and when we think about like the other reasons, right, the second reason is because a student just doesn't know what he's supposed to be do, right? The directions are not clear. And, you know, me, after every single day, I always say the instructions over and over and over again. We spend the first like, you know, five, 10 minutes going over announcements, last five to 10 minutes going over those same announcements. Some students get tired of the fact that we going over it again. That's just the way it has to happen because I want to make sure that you know what's supposed to happen. And I think a lot of people make a mistake and not being able to set those parameters. Every time I show a video before I do it, I check and make sure everybody knows what's supposed to happen. When I play this, y'all supposed to listen. Right. That's what's supposed to happen. I play right. a video. And, and, you know and, let, and let's and let's look at it like this too, right? Like I I spent a lot of my and I hate seeing this. I hope no kids are listening to this. I spent a lot of my own money like whether it's buying gift cards or providing all the during the Black History Month event. It's like like buying like literally hundreds of dollars, scholarships, whatever, right? But I didn't do that because I wanted some some props or anything. Yep. I, I, I did it because I had the capacity to do it. Yep. <laughs> right. And I and I felt I felt in my heart that 
it's nothing for me to pay that money to give a kid a reward or give a kid something they could flip into an opportunity to feel better about themselves in a time where we should be celebrating them in a more meaningful way. And the only communication and representation of how we celebrate them could be monetary so that they can provide an agency for them to get something they love. So I come back from April, uh, from from the Black History Month uh, vacation and this kid, one of the kids, I, I, I like, Amazon wasn't letting me get all the prizes in because it was, they thought I was like a hacker or something. And this kid kept asking me for her gift card. And I was like, I'm gonna get it to you. I just gotta talk to Amazon. So I'm saying to myself, yeah, you know what? I really need to do this. Number one, I gotta do what I say I'm doing. You know, it's not, you know. But the kid gets the gift card and I get back to school and the kid comes up a couple of weeks ago and the kid gives me, he gives me this hat. She gives me this hat. I'm like, why are you even giving me a hat? I, she was like, oh, I saw that you like Nike and uh, it was her and her brother. Um, you like Nike, because I talked to the brother as well. You like Nike and, um, you know, I got the gift card and I bought you a hat. I could not believe, I could not, literally one of the best gestures that that anyone has ever done for me. Yeah, right. So in my classroom, um, you know, my co-teachers, if they listen in, you know, they'll they'll attest to this and if the kids are listening to this, you know, they'll they'll attest to this too. You know, I'm a person, you know, I I remember watching uh, the, you know, the Jeffrey Jeffrey Canada um, uh, uh, Waiting for Superman uh, uh, documentary. Of course, those, of course. One of the things that he said in there is he loved bribing kids, right? You want the kids to have that intrinsic nature, that beautiful connection to education and performance and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, bribing a kid is a, is a first step to entrepreneurship. And... You know, <laughs> kidding me? Let's leverage the whole well, time. You know, the students know. So, so every single... So one of the things that I think a lot of teachers should do, and I think that they're... They're reluctant to do it. I don't know why, really. But, you know, in my classroom, any data I have, I give it to the kid. So, you know, test scores, tell them the average. You know, if the average sucks, that's your fault. You know, if the average sucks, that's on me. And sometimes I will take the take the L on that. Be like, yo, I, I take your guys' education very seriously. And so when you guys fail, I want you to know I take I take a lot of heart to that. But what I want you to know is that there are some people who are high flying. And what I always do is anybody who gets 90% or higher, you should shout those kids out. Give them the data. Go like, hey, the average student got, what, C, 80%, whatever the average is. But then those kids who were flying 90% or higher, you know, shout those kids out. And then I always tell them high score. Right? Anybody who gets a high score, they always get something. Right. Always get something. You can ask them right now. <laughs> I mean, every single kid, you know, whether that be, you know, usually – Every single one of those kids is like a, you know, $10, $15 purchase that I have to make. And I got like eight classes. So, you know, every single quiz we have, we've had so far, we have seven, so seven times times eight. But I want to reward, I, I, I tend to reward the jump too, right? The, the, like, if you're going for, like, we all know that grading itself is racist, right? Like zero to, six, zero to 69, 
and you have a third, you have here literally daily dallying, leveraging 31 points over the head of a kid. Like, come on, like we, we know about that, right? Right. Well, so what but, I would say, okay, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, so what I would say is this is what your job is as a teacher, right? If this is the thing that you're going to put in your classroom, right? You're going to insert this culturally. What's your job then? Your job is to make it so that you create an environment, you create a system in place where students can get their name up there. Because it ain't right if, they, if the students don't get their name up there, right? If, only, if the same students get their name up there, then you ain't doing a good job. Right. That's the way I feel. It's, to me, it's a barometer of how I'm doing. It's a feedback loop that keeps myself accountable. That's why you right. do it. And there's multiple feedback loops in the classroom. Of course, right? And some students will achieve in will, will will achieve in that journey, and some won't. But there's something for everybody, you know. I, you know, I and I want to wrap wrap us up with this one question. And um, what can teachers do to build better relationships with students of color? Like, think about that, right? Me personally, everything else in, in education to show you how far we are, right? From just really thinking about this in a very, um, into it, I guess, intelligent way, right? Everything else, when, when there's a problem with um, pedagogy, they're bringing instructional coaches. When there's a problem with how we instruct English language learners, we bring somebody in. When there is an issue with platforms, they bring somebody in. I don't understand why we do not talk to black educators who, who generally have the best relationships in the building with students. This is why I say, say this, this is we're so far behind because you don't even got to pay for that. So if you want to build a better, my opinion, you want to build a better relationship with students of color, you leverage the relationships they have with the educators of color. <laughs> because if you're searching for expertise somewhere else, we are the experts. This is the expertise. And it, it, it generally rubs me the wrong way. Because, you know, it's one of those situations, well, I don't got that problem. <laughs> what? They're disrespectful to who? I don't have that problem, but you rarely get why. Because people sometimes don't want to say, I know it's because you're black. No, because I am black and I'm very much aware of, of how that student depends on our, my, my relationship with them to get through their day, their daily functioning. Because I know that sometimes my absence puts them in a, in a deficit. And the last thing another a, a kid of color needs is to start their day in a deficit. What do you think? You know, to me, I'll, I'll say two things. There are two things I think teachers could do um, in general. I think one of them is, you know, I keep trying to push the pride curriculum thing. I really just want to double down on it. I, I, in my opinion, you know, any place I've ever had a problem with a kid, man, they will turn a dime on you. Like just turn from like hating you to like loving you if you just talk about yourself. You, you just share parts of you and who you are. Right? Like if- Black you, is a moment right there. It's, it's not even like, 
like it's not even like some people think that like hey it is true that it is it i i would totally give it to people who you know the the the, the white teachers out there who go like hey i can't attack an issue like you can right there is something nice about me being able to talk about the struggle the we struggle right what i would say is you know you need to be able to talk about those things or maybe it's the fact that you ain't the one that should be talking about it then maybe you should learn a little bit and or the second thing is right you have other issues that you care about too right it can't just be you know black this black that because you don't know nothing about that but there are things in your human existence, your adult existence, that you can bring into the classroom. 100, 100%. Black students respect any struggle. Yeah, like but people in. are running around acting like they got to relate to the Black struggle. What yeah. I tell, I, I, I see people cringe when I tell students in front of white teachers, like, yo, do you realize that most of your teachers have once had no money in their bank account? Like, you don't got to relate to the Black struggle. You're literally just sending a message that you've never struggled. Well, right. And that's the reason why, you know, it, you know, in my class, we don't just talk about Black issues. We talk about, you know, and Corey knows this, we talk about limb difference. I don't, I don't have a limb difference. I got both my hands and feet. You know, I don't know anybody like that in my family, but that's something that I want them to know. I want them to feel that that human understanding. I'm not trans, I'm not gay, but I think it's important that we talk about those individuals because I do 100%. know people like 100%. that. And so what I would say is carve out a space, and this is the reason why the Pride curriculum and developing it is very important because of the fact that you give them something there. And th one of the things is, the reason why I started to begin with, was what I found is that the students who are willing to open up and have those conversations, guess what? Now I'm having more students participate in the learning process. Yes, right? because you have sent a message that said, dear students, it is okay to learn about transgenders. That's right. It's okay to learn about, um, about sexuality. It is really because you're gonna learn it and we're gonna go through this together. Yeah, more importantly, what it establishes is what a realm of trust. Right? Why do you not say something to someone? Because I don't trust you. And that's not a that's not a young person thing. You're seeing it a lot in the Zoom atmosphere. But what it is is adults do it too. I don't trust you like that. You can't come into my well, my issue. That's the reason why. Right? If you see somebody who 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 shares your same thing and you just happen to be you the only ones in the room, you'll talk about it. Somebody else comes up in the room somehow. Well, Y'all not talking about that subject no more. Why? Because. Right. Because everybody's not in the same level. There's a trust issue that's there and you can use that to bridge to the other thing. Um, you know, and so if I were, were to say anything about what can teachers do, that would be the first thing. The second thing, and this is the biggest thing that has helped my pedagogy in all the time of being a teacher. You know, when I decided to finally stop with all of the, the 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 workshop modeling and all that other stuff that people told me, and I have I I, I love that because it gave me structure at the beginning. But what I would say is this: is you know you talked about bringing in black teachers. I I would I would I would take it a step further. You know, if it were me, I would have something called the forum 
and bring kids in because we always have all of these people come from nowhere right from out of state they be coming in that's how deep it is people are so dedicated to it they they're willing to pay thousands of dollars to, to avoid having the conversation with children about how they feel about the very educators that they work that they they work with every day let's call it what it is so what I would say is, like I said, I would strongly suggest, like I have the series, y'all should listen to it, but because not for me, there's also a version where you don't hear me talking, you just hear the kids talking. And mm-hmm. I would, if that's what the only version you care about, is you want to listen to the kids. I think you should listen to the kids because, you know, we used to have a thing in my classroom called the forum where, what did we do? We, we had uh, two classes. I, if I could devote a week to it, I would have, but two classes where students can come in and Basically, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about what makes effective teaching and what are some common things that teachers are doing that are stopping you or preventing you from being able to get to where you need to be. And I can tell you right now, that has been one of the greatest like eye-opening experiences I've ever, ever, ever had where they were able to talk to me about what other teachers are doing in the classroom or in, in theirs. Because the one thing I learned through that process is kids know when they're in a good situation. They but, know when they are in a educator's place. Of course, of where, course. Hey, this person is helping me. This person is, I'm doing things. I'm, I'm feel successful in my own growth. Not just the fact that I have a good grade, but I feel like I'm growing as a person, as a human being in this environment. And the question becomes, and I would push this to any education center or any place. Why are we not leveraging the expertise that we have in the classroom? And I don't just mean the high performers. I'm talking about everyone in our class. Right. When we have in this, like I said, I call it the forum, you know, it's not just the kids who are high flying and let everybody speak because everybody has the right to do that. You know, if it were me, I would have like a PD that's mandatory for all the teachers or whatever. It'd be one time of the year. Those student body presidents or whatever ain't doing nothing, you know, have them have, you know, talk to their class and then have them come as representatives of their class and actually give feedback that people are telling them. Like that to me is what I would do if I had And 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 folks got to swallow their pride on that and and listen to kids because we have so many things that go between kids, right? Like, I, I think that parents have, and I'll say, and I'll close my part with this, right, is I think parents have a misconception of what teachers unions are. I believe that, because if you think about it from this standpoint, teachers unions are there to protect teachers, whether they're right or wrong, right? So many of them intentionally hinder or, or detour uh, or intentionally mismanage any feedback from the students. They, because why? And, and I don't blame the unions. You want to know why? That is their job. And what they're also good at is making the kids think that that's their response. That they are working for their response. They are working for the kids and the families. If you were working for the kids and the families, you would be exactly who you are, which is a teacher. Educate. So I, I think we, we missed that part. And ultimately, 
to really answer the, 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 the question other than what I, what I mentioned earlier around, um, you know, looking at us and working with us, the experts, I, I think that, I think teach, I think ed, educators must address, um, they, they have to be more race conscious, right? And somebody said a, 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 an amazing, um, I think she's a professor from Princeton. She said something so amazing to me. Um, it, it was, uh, uh, she said, the opposite of race consciousness is color blindness. So if you're choosing to not insert the, whether it's the crumbs or the meat of racism and race into your curriculum, which pretty much is Eurocentric and has an absence of race in it, you're not really trying to build a relationship. You're trying to build a, tr create a transactional relationship. And, trans and quite frankly, with students of color, transactional relationships don't work. Because even the food exchange is not transactional. That's actually transformational. So if anyone is watching this or listening to this, you, you have the job of you building relationships with students, the, 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 the moxie, the prior learning experience, the life you, the very life you live at within humanity is the very reason that you should be building better relationships with students, period. Any final thoughts, Mr. Douglas? You know, my big thing is, is if I could tell any teacher is, I wanna push you to begin to believe that the way that you run your classroom Yes, you are the one that gets to decide. Yes, you are the one that gets to sign off on everything. But I want you to believe in the idea that other people, more specifically the students themselves, know what they want. And I think you, you know, we talk about student-centered classrooms. I go like, are you really a student-centered classroom if you're not getting feedback from them? And I don't just mean at the end of the year. Right. I need that data now, like at the beginning of the time. Right. I need the data at you know quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. I need you to to do it. And it's only one question. How am I doing? Well, right. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff. Right. Like, you know, for me, it, it's 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 it, it, it involves what do you think we could be doing instead? Right. What do you not like? What do you what do you like? And sometimes it's true. Students have made decisions in my classroom and we've made the change right we made the change in my class and other other students and even the student who i know made that made that suggestion you know they go like nah that is better the other way but what are we teaching them when they realize that their suggestion isn't as good as what we were doing before is you're telling them that hey like there's a lot of thought that put got that got put into it and then what are you also telling them going hey, I said something, he took it in, right? He, 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 he took it in and he used it, right? The things I say matter and I can have a, a say in how education is doled out. And then 
you know, one of my favorite things, like I said, at the end of the year, I call them exit interviews. It's a series of questions that students can, can, can just answer. And one of the things during that process of the exit interview is I actually talk to them, right? I go like, hey, you know, you don't like this. Like, tell me, how can I make it better? And students will come up with just some of the most amazing ideas you could ever, ever imagine. Take no off, no take no off the training wheels, right? Like there was one kid like who said, you know what, man, you know what I wish, you know, every time I go and I do something, I always get something for it. And, you know, if I get the highest score, I should get something for it. And so I said, you know what, one day we, one next year, we're going to try it. We're going to figure out how much money it costs. We're going to figure out, you know, all that be damned. We're going to throw that out. And we just gonna take we just gonna take the L on that and just suck up that two two grand right there and figure out what that looks like. And all I know is by the end of it, those kids were like they were rocking and it pushed them up there. And it what did it do once again? Like I was saying before, it's you're doing a poor job if it's the same kids each time. Right. Your job is to help everyone else. And I what did it push me to do? It pushed my own pedagogy. Because now I have to start thinking about that kid who's at the bottom. How do I get him to the top? How do I get him to the top? How do I get him? What's the path? That's my mind all the time. What's the path? How do I get that kid up there? Right? Is it just that the kid needs to help? There's a lot of avenues, and I go, what's what I feel like a lot of educators are, are are in is that they're locked into that way of doing. Right. One of the cool things about the pandemic, one of the nice things, is that what it forced everybody to find another way. Mm. And what I hope, what I hope, and it created we, multiple ways. When we come back, I hope that people can take that kind of of breaking of the wheel and go like, "Hey, I want to bring in all these other things." Right? I, I I hope that they can see the need that students have, that faculty have, and go you know what I need? I need this because the one thing I would say is the parts where we were building culture, the part where we talk about myself, the part where I get to share the human aspect of my class, irrespective of learning targets. What I found out is those are the parts I love right there. That's my favorite part of the class. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about their mental health, my mental health, you know, (laughs) that is the thing that got me coming back. And the last thing I'll say about mental health is when you are talking to them and you let them feel that humanity, there's times where I've had to check kids and I go like, man, you know, all the kids I support right. and I, you wilding out right now. And that's affecting my mental health. And then I can't support all those kids. And that kid, and that kid was like, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Cause I didn't see that it was affecting you that way. And I never had a problem with him ever again, ever again. And why? Because he respected the fact that he saw Right. I was, when I'm putting in real money, when I'm putting in real time, he knows because I went and got him. He knows I'm putting in the time. He knows I'm putting in the money. I'm putting in the real resources. He sees the commitment that I'm putting down. Even if it ain't for him, he's not going to mess it up for somebody else. Right. right. And I appreciate the love that they give. And I would push, 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 push my colleagues out there. Please, please consult your, 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 your fellow teachers who are doing it good, but more importantly, allow your students to have that voice and, and, and bring out the things that they think can help your class be better. Um, and, and you'll be surprised what they, what they say. You'll be surprised what they think. Um, like I said, I have a series. Y'all should listen to it. 
Um, Excellent. Corlin, this has been great. I think the, the title of this episode will be called, What's the Food Like Here? <laughs> you know, it's coming to class, they're coming to school. Hey, what's the food like here? Okay, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week uh, for, for episode six of Black Factivism. Corlin, thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Yes, indeed. You have a good night, brother.